Hi, welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. My name is Timothy Langley. Today is June 12th, 2015. Today's burning issue is Okinawa. What is it about Okinawa? It's a small island about 900 miles south of Tokyo. It straddles the main four islands of Japan and Taiwan. It's lodged between the Pacific Ocean and the Sea of Japan. And every time Japan-US relations come into a focus, Okinawa is always mentioned. What is it about this island? What is it about the military presence there? Why does the United States have a grip on that island? And why is it such an irritant to US-Japan relations? We're gonna examine that today in today's burning issue of Tokyo on Fire. Thanks for joining us. By the way, today is our 16th episode of Tokyo on Fire. Thank you very much. We've received tremendous response from you, the listeners and the viewers of Tokyo on Fire. We really appreciate it. Our numbers continue to climb. You can send us your comments and recommendations at comments at tokyoonfire.com. You can tweet to us at hashtag tokyoonfire, and you can also provide comments to us and recommendations, observations that you might have directly into the YouTube dialog box. This podcast is also available for download. Please go to iTunes. Today, I'm joined with my guest, Michael Chuchek, to talk about the issue and other flashpoints that are related to it. Michael, welcome to Tokyo on Fire again. Thanks. Thanks it's for joining me. Back. So what is it about Okinawa that always makes it such a big issue whenever we talk about the U.S. military alliance, the U.S. military umbrella, U.S.-Japan relations? It is always mentioned as one of the, the keystone issues. Okinawa places the U.S.-Japan relationship in a very awkward position. It is strategically in a very vital place, the set of islands, particularly Okinawa Island itself, that form the string of islands that stretch from southern Kyushu all the way to Taiwan. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk about that as the first string of islands, as an, a string of islands that sort of hems in China. They don't use the C word when talking about it, but that set of islands does provide what is basically a territorial barrier uh, that prevents easy access to the Pacific Ocean for Chinese ships and also Chinese aircraft. As a consequence, it's someplace that the United States is absolutely determined to be. And it has its largest base in the Far East, at the Kadena Air Base on the island of Okinawa. And it was during the Vietnam era, the, a, a place of constant transports and B-52s leaving for bombing runs in Vietnam. It was really the, the linchpin. It was a staging area for the war in, in Vietnam. It was the staging area and it was the rest area at mm -hmm. the same time. Right, R&R. &R. And <clears throat> at the time of the, the, the Vietnam War, it was also run by the United States. Because unlike most of Japan, which was returned to Japanese sovereignty in 1952 with the peace treaty, Okinawa was part of two sets of islands, the other were the Ogasawara Islands, that were kept under U.S. control. And that control, in the case of Okinawa, lasted for another 20 years until 1972 and the reversion. Right, Richard Nixon re reverted them back to uh, Japanese hands. And it was the big victory in Prime Minister Sato's very, very long tenure. It was a huge deal. Everybody understands that Okinawa is strategically placed. It's geopolitical. It's close to all of the Southeast Asia potential flashpoints, Korea, China, Vietnam. And the T word that we can't say. That's right. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but the island of Taiwan mm -hmm. and the issue of defending Taiwan, which is why the real issue between the United States 
Japan and the people of Okinawa is the presence of U.S. Marines, mm -hmm. the, the Marine force that is there. It is the only Marine force that is based outside the United States. And everyone has always said it's there for a particular contingency, and that contingency is a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Right. Uh, that contingency may not be realistic anymore. In many ways, the idea of many hundreds of ships trying to do an amphibious landing across the Taiwan Strait and Marines participating in a defense of Taiwan is utterly unrealistic. What's going to most likely happen is going to be hundreds of missiles flying from the, the, the continent, knocking out all command and control, and then there's just going to be a much easier, probably airborne, uh, assault on the country if that ever happens. Well, nevertheless, even the children in Taiwan are trained to use guns and rifles in the event that there could be a, a, an invasion. And there's, but there's no sense of any, any way that the United States' forces, Marine forces, will be a really vital part, except maybe perhaps for evacuating U.S. citizens, and there are a lot of them on Taiwan, mm -hmm. uh, that they would need to secure a port area, secure, air, secure airport areas for evacuation purposes. Well, the, real, the, the United States has a similar arrangement with Taiwan as it does with Japan some sort of a collective self-defense, we will defend you if you are attacked. Under the, under the Taiwan Treaty, yes, but that, there's always a question whether the United States is really committed to Taiwan. Even, I mean, there are always questions whether it's really committed to, to Japan, Japan as well. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And, but in the case of Taiwan, it's even more questionable whether the United States will really go full out in a defense of the country. Mm -hmm. Of course, that creates a sense of, of anxiety and also uncertainty, which makes it more likely that some kind of military solution will be pursued by the Chinese. So, okay. Okinawa, it's strategically placed. It's got military air bases there, predominantly uh, American. Yeah, but it's the Marines that matter. The Marines are in a place called Futenma. And Futenma, when it was established, was a, a, an air base, an air, an air station that was uh, surrounded by fields. But there was never any control over land development around it during the many years of first the U.S. occupation and then after the reversion. So that now it's in the center of a city. Right. And right up to the fence, there, is built, there are buildings, mm -hmm. schools, uh, universities, all kinds of different very, very dangerous situations. No, it's like an amoeba that was just kind of placed in the middle of a city and the city kind of accommodated the, yeah. the, the fact that there is a... A hole there, As, and and, it, it's, and it's huge, and it's huge, and it's it, it, it's right in the center, and with all these different kinds of aircraft coming in and out, we have we have not just helicopters, but C-130s flying in. We, I mean, it can accommodate very large aircraft, but more importantly, and, and very very questionably, C-120, uh, C-22 Ospreys. The Ospreys. The right. Ospreys are a huge question because of their initial safety problems in the United States, those have largely been solved, but nevertheless, they're brought up all the time. All these different things are going on. The sound levels around the base are extraordinary. And in 1995, there was the famous rape case that took place, where three Marines out of Futenma uh, kidnapped and raped a 12-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. In response to that, the United States and the Japanese government committed themselves to shutting down Futenma at some point. But before that would happen, the Japanese government would provide a Futenma replacement facility. 
And that's where Okinawa is today. That happened in 1995, the agreement was in 97, and yet here we are in 2015. That facility has not been built. It is in fact, the construction is only starting. And it is the Abe administration that is finally committed to building it. And that's the reason why we're talking about this today, really. Well, it's a huge issue. Um, this, this base relocation, let's take Tenma and move it someplace else. This has been going on really in an active way for the last 10 years or so. Initially, they were, they were talking about, let's perhaps move it to Guam, let's move part of it to Guam. Part of that is still on the books. Part of the, the contingency of Marines will, maybe not quite half of them, will be stationed in, in Guam, but we're going to do something with Fatema. And Fatema will be closed and it most likely will be turned over to Okinawa Prefecture. Great, perfect, wonderful. Except nobody wants to accept a new facility. The agreement that was worked out was with the city of Naha in the northern part, the least populated part of the island of Okinawa. And in order to reduce its footprint on land, it was going to be built out as a, a landfill uh, airfield mm -hmm. in a very odd V-shaped form that is neither perfect for what the Marines need nor addresses all the issues of local Okinawan interests. And it, in, the, in the middle of all this, there, there are environmental issues having to do with destruction of coral reefs, destruction of coastal areas, and areas that are frequented by the extremely endangered dugong. Mm -hmm. uh, all of these have been playing out for all these years, fighting over all the different kinds of problems. But the Abe administration said, we're going to go for it. And it has cost them politically. Well, he's not the first prime minister to put his foot down and say, it is going to happen or it isn't going to happen. No, Hatoyama in 2009, when he and his Democratic Party of Japan were running in an election that they were guaranteed to win, he made an idiotic promise to move the elements of Futenma outside. Outside of the prefecture. Outside of the prefecture, possibly even outside of Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, without, he just said it, mm -hmm. without having any plan on, in his, of his own to do that, or of course telling the United States or talking to anyone in the US about the feasibility of such a reversal of Japanese policy. Uh, it cost him his it cost him his post. He mm -hmm. came into office, and instead of working on all the issues that the DPJ wanted in terms of its internal reforms of the country, all he worked on was backtracking from his statements about Futenma. And every step that he stepped back from his previous statement cost him a greater percentage of his popularity. And within a few months, yep. he was gone. Before we get into you know the current controversies that are going on right now with the governor. Let's, I mean, some viewers really don't know what Okinawa is militarily and how that, how critical a role it plays to the U.S.-Japan relationship. Can we get into that a little bit? For example, of all of the air bases, all of the military personnel throughout Japan, and the United States is committed to protecting and, and defending Japan, 80% uh, of them are in Okinawa. I mean, it's like a floating aircraft carrier. Exactly, and, and, it, and it's something that the Okinawans never had any say in. Right. Because <clears throat> at the time that all this happened in Okinawa was a time when the United States was occupying it. The U.S.-Japan Security Treaty was signed in 1960. And at that time, there were lots of U.S. bases on the main islands. Mm -hmm. 
Those have since been closed. Most of them became parks. But the bases on Okinawa, which was outside of US, outside of Japanese jurisdiction, under US control, and was therefore not part of Japan at that time, mm -hmm. that's where all of these Japanese obligations are now concentrated. And Okinawans, of course, feel resentful. They say, why are the obligations of a treaty we had no part in, why are they all put on us? Mm -hmm. And that's a reasonable point. Sure. The other issue is that, of course, Okinawa is the site, and it's, here we are uh, a few days away from the 70th anniversary of the only real land battle on Japanese territory during World War II. And the Battle of Okinawa was not only devastating for the combatants, but particularly for the civilians. Mm -hmm. At least one quarter of the civilian population, probably closer to a third, perished in the battle. Uh, some of them, in, indeed, on the orders of, of Japanese uh, commanders. Uh, that the relationship between the main islands and Okinawa is partially defined by the Okinawans having been sacrificed for the main right. islands, which were not invaded. Yes, there was aerial bombing, but in terms of actually having a land army come and just obliterate everything, including much of the cultural artifacts that had survived from the time that Okinawa was an independent kingdom. It, the castle at Shuri wasn't reconstructed until the 1990s, for right. example. Uh, that entire cultural human uh, surface to the, of that island was wiped off. And they have a tremendous resentment to the main islands for that as well. Sure, sure. Well, justifiably so. That's not the only time that they suffered at the hands of Japanese overlords. I mean, this happened earlier in their history as well. Well, Okinawa was an independent kingdom. Right. And independent was kind of a funny concept because they accepted as their overlords the emperors of China. At the same time, samurai from Satsuma, from the very southernmost part of the island of Kyushu, also felt that these islands were theirs. And in a very strange 250 years, the three groups, the Chinese, the Okinawans themselves, and the samurai of Satsuma, all pretended that the islands were under their administrative mm -hmm. control. And they got along doing that for a very, very long time. At the end of the day, really Satsuma was in charge. And that was proven when, after the, the Meiji Restoration, Japan's policies became less accommodative. And instead, it started saying, our borders are where? Where, do our, where, does, our, where does our authority extend to? And the, uh, the kings of Okinawa were deposed yes. and removed. And Okinawa was in, in, incepted into what is now Japan. So they have, a sep they have separate languages. The languages are not mutually distinguishable. You can't, you know, you are mutually understandable. If you hear uh, one of the Okinawan dialects, they're called, there's no way you could understand what the heck they're talking about. Right. Uh, it, they're really languages. They just don't have an army mm -hmm. associated with them. So uh, they're culturally quite different. And, and it's, they're very famous here in Japan. They provide a lot of the musicians. They provide a lot of artists and, and uh, people who work in, in television. They're, they're sort of, I don't know what the equivalent would be. I mean, they're much more than the Hawaiians are for the mm -hmm. United States in terms of, of 
of a source of, of cultural power, but it's a separate cultural power. It's right. not Japanese. Sure. Well, I grew up in Okinawa, you know, until I was in high school. And uh, Okinawa cannot be described or understood without understanding the military presence that's there. It is huge. It is massive. You mm -hmm. can't even go there and not understand that something is going on. The air is full of these Ospreys or the Huey helicopters or there's, there's all sorts of jets going on. Some of them belong to the uh, self-defense forces, that's true, mm -hmm. but Okinawa is just packed with the U.S. military presence. And it was, for a long time, it was seemingly going down at, in importance. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the Cold War, one of the things that the Okinawans expected was, okay, finally things are gonna calm down. Well, the rise of China has changed that. And in particular, the last few years having to do with the Senkaku Islands, right. which are a part of the Okinawan chain. Well, they're not a part of the chain. They're somewhat set aside from it, but they are administratively a part of Okinawa mm -hmm. Prefecture and a part of the city of, of Ishigaki, in fact. And these, the protection of these islands has now become a major center and a major source of interest both for all the countries in the region and it has become a new justification for the high level of American presence mm -hmm. there. Well I think probably if you're speaking to anybody in Washington DC who is involved in US-Japan relations, the cornerstone of the US-Japan relationship is the presence of military forces on Okinawa. We need this as a staging area, we need this as a, a base of operations. We cannot impose ourselves throughout the rest of of the Japanese islands, and in any event, Okinawa is strategically more convenient. We've been there longer. We're kind of ingrained into the culture that's that's there now. I mean, people generally accept us, but um, there are a lot of changes underfoot now too, aren't there? The issue of, of reducing the sizes of the bases has always been around, and there have been massive reductions in the sizes of the bases. Mm -hmm. uh, and any branch of the U.S. military that has a major presence on Okinawa will talk to you about it. The U.S. Army is hardly there, but the Marines and the Air Force will go, and the Navy will mm -hmm. tell you about the things that they've given back, and they'll go on and on about that. For the Okinawans, it's not enough. It may right. never be enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's be fair. They may be, there are a lot of people on Okinawa who want all the bases gone, and they're never going to get their wish because the United States sees those bases as extremely important uh, strategically, especially after the loss of the Philippine bases at Clark Subic and Clark, Clark. Right. Right. After those were gone, the importance of Kadena became paramount and, and the uh, Marines areas, Fatema included. Also, the, the, uh, for some reason, the United States military, the Department of Defense really likes doing training Mm -hmm. on Okinawa. It's jungle training. It's jungle training, right. And you'd think they'd be able to do it someplace else, Thailand, some other place where there, there's a strong U.S. relationship and a larger area, but they're, they're really wedded to the, the training area. Well, I think this is the reality, is when the United States gave back Okinawa, Okinawa did, in fact, belong to the United States. They won it. It was a trophy of war. Mm. And when they gave it back, I think they didn't give it all back. They gave most of it back. And the general story was, we, this reversion is complete. You can return to the motherland. It never was the motherland. And a lot of 
problems are still existing between Tokyo and Okinawa. But I think, you know, the United States view is we, you know, this, this is ours. We gave most of it back to you. We'll try and accommodate protests and, and issues that, that are, you know, in, impinging on the, re- the relationship. But we're here. This is ours. We gave most of it back to you. Yeah, they're, they're, the, the United States in this area, uh, at least the government of the United States, seems to think that it's done as much as possible mm-hmm. to accommodate the needs. And that the rest of anything that has to happen has to happen internally within Japan. Right. Which, is, which brings it back to Tokyo. Well, there was a decision just yesterday where the, uh, the district court ordered the Tokyo government to pay the people who are living around Fatima for the noise pollution that they're suffering under. Uh, I forget what the figure was, but it's like 500 uh, million yen for the people who have uh, participated in the claim for damages. Yeah, and, and that claim will come up over and over again. And well, it's it, come up before. I mean, this is yeah. the first time. Yeah, but, but the thing is, they, if, the guide is, if the guide of what has happened on the mainland is in any way applicable, they'll just keep suing mm-hmm. and because all of the mainland air bases that use uh, that the Americans use are constantly being sued over sound levels mm-hmm. and most of the time they lose but sometimes they do indeed clean up mm-hmm. uh, whatever happens it's it's a constant irritant and that of course is something that the United States would like to avoid and therefore was really looking forward to the Henneco site right. in Naha, in Naha, because that the aircraft would be taking out off over water. It's not really safe, but at least you don't have people suing you all the mm-hmm. time over, for passing over their houses. <clears throat> Okinawa is such a really interesting and complex issue. You know, you mentioned earlier that more than uh, a quarter of the population was just annihilated during the 90-day Battle of, of Okinawa, and the. The United States occupied the island up until 1972, and when they did the reversion, now they had um, land that belonged to the United States to be redistributed to the Okinawan people. Mm-hmm. This was a massive undertaking because who owns what? All of the records were destroyed. Whose grandfather actually owned what? And the interesting thing about this is that the bases are on land that was distributed to the survivors of the battle. Mm-hmm. And the United States pays a rent to the people who were determined to be owners of separate parcels. So this money is being paid to people that are in Okinawa, and this is reviving the economy there. I'm not reviving. This is um, supporting the economy there because people are getting rent, even though they had nothing to do with that land within their lifetime. Well, the, 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 the land owning, particularly under Futenma, is incredibly divided. It, mm-hmm. there, I think there are about 3,000 yep. landowners underneath Tenma. Some of them are native Okinawans. A lot of them are anti-base protesters mm. who bought, let's say, a square meter from some family. Mm-hmm. And are, they have to have their own separate contract with the United yes. States government in or, uh, that has to be renewed. In, right. And one of the things that has to, had to happen many times during this period where we've been trying to get toward this replacement facility is the re- renewal of the leases mm-hmm. on the land underneath Futenma with these thousands of landowners. It's required 
passing laws that overturn certain aspects of, of personal land ownership in Japan in order so that these leases can be renewed even though the landowners do not want it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it has been, it's a struggle even if they do nothing because people who want the U.S. out of Okinawa have been using all the legal levers possible. Well, there's always been this agitation, these um, uh, people from probably not from Okinawa itself, but they're agitating the U.S.-Japan relation. They're trying to get some sort of payback to Tokyo. They want to cause a disruption with the relationship. And I think that was the reason why uh, the, um, the press individual who was uh, fired from his job about two or three months ago, he posted a video uh, that was taken from the on-base cameras about mm -hmm. the manhandling of some of the protesters, mm -hmm. became a Big, big issue. He lost his job as a result of that. But I think that there's a lot of organized agitators that are, um, you know, making this situation worse than it actually is. Well, there's the, the only reason that they are doing that is that there's a chance that they might actually be able to change something. Mm -hmm. There's not much you can do about the bases back on the mainland. They're pretty much established. But the ones on Okinawa, there's a negotiation going on. And the United States government will deny it. The Japanese government will deny it. But that's the reality. And it's become all the more important since last year's election of Governor Onaga. Right. Governor Onaga is a longtime LDP member, longtime supporter of the LDP, and also he, he was the longtime supporter of the previous governor uh, of Nakaima. But the two of them broke over Nakaima's dropping the promise to, to move Futenma out of the prefecture and accepting instead, in return for a lot of money from Tokyo for the prefecture, the move to Henako and Naha. That betrayal of his campaign promise ignited Onaga's wish to become governor mm -hmm. and he was successful. Won by a huge margin. By a huge margin. It was, and it, it completely destroyed the government's basic line, which is the people the silent majority of Okinawa understand the relationship, understand the United States' vital role, and understand that their economy and their, lot, their participation in the national discussion depend upon the continued U.S. presence there. No. And the thing is, the, the, the government under, under Shinzo Abe has been absolutely deaf. Rock to, solid. Rock, but deaf as regards to the demands of the Okinawans. Mm -hmm. And they have paid at the ballot box. Last year in the Naha election, the government's selected candidate got slaughtered. They lost all of the LDP's House of Representatives members in Okinawa. It is now entirely represented by the opposition. A huge shift. A big shift, and it, in, an, in an election where the LDP members most of them on, throughout the country were elected in a cakewalk mm -hmm. by huge margins. In Okinawa, they were wiped off the right. map. Right. And, and then we also, to that we must add the presence of, of, of Governor Onaga, who went last week to Washington and who will be meeting with Ambassador Kennedy next week, right. uh, just before she and he uh, attend the uh, 70th commemoration of the of, end of Battle of, of Okinawa. The Battle of Okinawa on the 23rd of June. Right. You know, all these things, every single one of them is a loss for the government. Mm -hmm. And yet, and this is what's really been, was stunning 
uh, to a lot of people, even people on the political right. When Onaga went to Tokyo after his victory, no member of the government Talk to the hand. would meet him. That's right. Okay. Yes, you are the national government, but you, the guy won. Mm-hmm. And he won in a fair and open election. You meet him. Right. No. Yes. It yes. took weeks and weeks and weeks and repeated requests by the Onaga administration, and they were stonewalled. Yes, well, it's hardball politics. He even went to the United States, and basically the State Department also said, we understand your concerns, we wish there was something we could do about it, but it is too critical to the U.S.-Japan relationship. Thank you very much for expressing yourself to us. Yeah, but at, when he came back this week from those meetings in Washington, he says, yes, that was basically the message, but it, that was not the only message. Mm-hmm. They say to me, you know, this is, up until now what they've always said is, this is something that is internal, this is a Japanese internal problem. They're starting to say to me, at least that this is according to Anaga, they're starting to say, we really do need the people of Okinawa on board. Right. Okay? So it, it sounds like not a big change, but mm-hmm. any change from the U.S. position, recognizing that the people of Okinawa have interests that are external and equally valid to those of the national government. That, that's really got to hurt in Tokyo. Well, I think the United States has depended on Tokyo. You handle that, we'll handle this part, but that part with Okinawa and the, the local politics there, that's your baby. We can't really be involved in it. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's a fair call, though. Yeah, it's a fair call, and the, the Abe administration has completely fumbled it. They sure have. Which is why perhaps now the United States, perhaps, I don't know, has decided to do a little bit of its own extraneous and uh, not entirely above board diplomacy. Okay, so let's fast forward it now. Currently, the situation is, let's build this. It's not even, construction really hasn't started. They're still still doing economic- um, It is survey They're survey still work. doing uh, surveys and- Digging um, holes in the, gra- in, the, in the coral to see if the, the base is they're there still and doing, everything. Right, they're still doing the uh, assessments and the environmental impacts. So no construction has really begun in the water, right. and they need the water for the extended runways. Right. Not only that, but they need sand and gravel. Right. And to get the sand and gravel there, they don't have it in Okinawa, they have to ship it in from other islands. Right. And in order to do that, they have to have the approval and the licenses from the governor. Right. Who is holding them off. Right. Right. So there's a lot of um, internal politicking that's going on. He's exercising his rights as the governor of a prefecture who has signature authority on a lot of different things. Some of the things the national government basically, you know, calls the shots on, but it, it is looking like a, a long-fought battle, isn't it? Well, I really like what Governor Onaga said in his press conference. He said, he, he was asked about, you know, you're an old LDP guy. How can you be going against the national government of the LDP? And he, 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 he turned it really well. He said, you know, this is not an issue of right versus left, of ideology. Mm-hmm. This is an issue of Okinawan identity. Mm-hmm. And it is true. It's about Okinawa as a separate place, not as a part of Japan. Because in this instance, it, it, has, it paid in, in World War II too high a price. It is paying too high a price in terms of representing the country in terms of the security treaty. They've had it. They don't want to deal with this anymore. It's not their circus. You know, the, the old saying, not my circus, not my monkeys. They're, they're, they're tired of ha- having 
to deal with the problems that are established by the U.S.-Japan Security Alliance. That they think, yes, if the, if the forces are here to defend Okinawa, fine, but that's not what they're here for. They're here to defend all of Japan. Then why isn't the rest of Japan contributing? Right. Japan, Okinawa is such a sad place for a lot of different reasons. I mean, it's a tropical island, yet it is the, it is the place that has the lowest economy. It is the place that has the highest unemployment in all of Japan. And it also is is the poorest uh, prefecture of of all of the forty seven. Yeah, and there are people who argue that it's because of the bases. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the arguments that the national government has always made is that the rents that the the, the bases pay, that all of the government subsidies that are given to the islands, if if the bases weren't there, all that money wouldn't be going there. You'd be even poorer. Mm -hmm. But the evidence seems to be pointing to another, in another direction. We have now in East Asia a huge tourist boom. Mm -hmm. And Okinawa, where in the past it was, sort of of a, 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 it was sort of Japan's poor cousin to Hawaii. Right. Now it's a hell of a lot better place for Chinese to a go. A lot of Chinese are visiting Okinawa. That, than right. that, and a lot of Taiwanese, a lot of Koreans, a lot of different people are showing up that weren't there before. And now the bases look like something that is preventing Mm -hmm. further economic development. And at that point, the, I think the, uh, the long time alliance that existed on the LDP's side between Okinawa and business and the, the LDP, right. that's breaking down and it's breaking down fast. Yeah, I think um, the economic development of Okinawa, it could have gone a lot of different ways. Yes, probably the fact that the bases occupy a lot of central potential high-value property, uh, they're just so big, um, probably has a drag on the economy. But the other thing is, it's a tropical island. Why is it not a, a resort destination? And it just seems to me that it hasn't really been developed along those lines, probably because the national government doesn't want it to develop that way. The money's not flowing into there. To fly from Tokyo to Okinawa costs more than flying even to Seoul or any of the other uh, destinations close by. Yeah, it's never been really developed in, in the way that other areas have been developed. Or, for example, the way that, that uh, the Chinese worked very hard to develop uh, Hainan Island. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this, it's always seemed to be something of a, uh, a ward of the state. Mm -hmm. uh, not really well treated, not entirely abandoned, somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. and. That also breeds Okinawa and resentment, I'm sure. Beyond that, it's hard to say. Let's say all, a lot of the bases were reduced. Right. And then all of that base area was redeveloped as resorts. We'd also not have the sound problems. And you grew up there, so you know what that was like. It's just a constant din. Right. Uh, that would go away. Would more people show up? One would guess yes. The the numbers that have happened, the, the tourist numbers that have gone up this year in in Japan as a whole, have been astonishing, mm -hmm. particularly from China, with the relationship seemingly on on an upward and, and much smoother path. What's what is the potential upside? It looks huge. We have a very large population of people rising up economically, mm -hmm. and. Okinawa is right next door to Taiwan. It's very close to Shanghai. It's a natural place. 
And given the Japanese propensity to organize things and to do things the right way, it has the potential, at least, to be a, a, a place where people can really just relax. Yeah, well, let's see. I mean, there was a huge golf course called Awase Golf Course that was owned and run by the U.S. military. Right. That has recently been converted to a huge Aeon Mall, right. uh, uh, a shopping mall. It's taken over the entire golf course complex. And that is going great guns. 500,000 visitors mm -hmm. in the first week of, of opening its doors. Some of the criticism is that, yes, people are going there, they're spending money, but that's money that could have been spent elsewhere. And now this money is going into the big corporations who actually invested in the mall. Mm, it's, 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 it's really difficult to it say. It is all difficult. It's, it's difficult to say, but it, it seems as though the potential was not there in the past. Mm -hmm. It is there now. And it adds another layer onto the political situation. The, the strategic situation is hard to break. Right. There's really no replacement for Kadena. Right. The other f facilities that the United States uses are nice, but they're not absolutely crucial. Kadena, the largest air base in the Far East, is. Mm -hmm. And it is, there is nowhere, no one talks ever about the United States leaving Kadena. So a lot of people have said, okay, Kadena is huge. It's enormous. Why don't we just put a piece of Futenma into Kadena? Right. And then we get to that crazy idea that for some reason, the services of the United States hate each other. Mm -hmm. And there's no way the that- The Air Force will deal with those Marines. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you get down to that, you say, oh, this is never gonna work. Yes, yes. Well, the other interesting dynamic about Okinawa is that it does have one of the highest birth rates of all Japan. They seem to have a pretty good time, yes. put it that way. Right. Uh, yeah, they, 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 are the they and Tokyo are the only places which have real crises in childcare. Mm -hmm. In Tokyo, it's because of the, the lack of space. You cannot build more centers fast enough. Mm -hmm. But in Okinawa, it's just that they have so many kids. They also uh, live for an extraordinarily long time. That's right, oldest in the world, aren't the, they? The, the, some of the villages are the oldest places where, which have the highest the, the oldest people in the world, mm -hmm. living in them. The, and living very healthy lives because it's not stressful to live there right. in any way. I mean, the weather is perfect all year round. Uh, there's, the food is, well, some of the food is uh, really high in fat, uh -huh. uh, particularly with, with a lot the, of pork, a lot of pork, a right. lot of U.S. influence. Mm -hmm. uh, that happens, of course, but uh, a lot of goats, interestingly enough, a lot of different things. Yes. And it's again, it's not Japan. No, it is not Japan. It is definitely very different, mm -hmm. especially with its pig culture, which is really Polynesian. Yes. You know, right. and so. There, there are positives and negatives. Yes, it is the poorest place, but it somehow doesn't affect longevity, which mm -hmm. is the easiest way of measuring whether someone's in real distress. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, they also, they also are, I think, the only prefecture that's above replacement level mm -hmm. in terms of childbirth. So they live a r relatively decent life. And one of the arguments from Tokyo that has been, you, know, you guys live well, you know, <laughs> so what are you complaining about? <laughs> Well, I think the heavy hand of Tokyo is um, probably a bigger burden than the U.S. bases. I mean, that's really where the rub is. The Okinawan people would like to make their own decisions. They would like to negotiate arm's length with the United States. That's just never going to happen. But uh, I think they're making progress in having at least a say in how these things are being decided. Never say never.
because, of course, there's always been a murmuring about Okinawan independence movements. They're right. all, they're basically you know somebody's desk somewhere. It's uh, it's it's a beautiful idea. I mean, they had their own culture. They had their own kingdom. There was several castles spread throughout the island, different fiefdoms. Mm -hmm. um, they have a very rich culture. Their language is is um, different from the Japanese culture. Uh, their language is different from the Japanese language. They have, they, have, they have their own textiles. They have their own alcohol. They don't make sake. They make awamori, right. which is great stuff if you, if you, if you want a, a good tipple. Mm -hmm. uh, these, and they have their own burial practices. Yes, they have, very unusual they have, burial practices. They have all these things that set them apart. And yes, most of the people who live there are actually ethnically Japanese, but mm -hmm. nevertheless, a, a goodly portion of them are Okinawan. Right. And there's a, a really strong identity there. So there's an identity issue that's laid up on top of all the other resentments. Sure. It's, I mean, every place in this world is unique unto itself, but Okinawa has just got so many unique characteristics that I just, uh, you can't stop talking about it. It's just one of the most interesting places I've ever uh, studied or, or I, I mean, I lived there, I grew up there for part of my life, but it is really a complex, very interesting place. And it has been suppressed for a long time, right. that individuality. Mm -hmm. And one of the aspects of modern life is the reassertion and the reemergence of, of these kinds of identities. Scotland. <laughs> Scotland All being right. an example, yeah. Right. Where these tribal identities are breaking apart these unified cre creations of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. and, and modern Japan is a creation of the 19th century. We were talking the other day about the loss of the, of the uh, southern Kurils, of right. the northern territories. That happened based on a treaty that was signed in 1854. In the case of the uh, the destruction of the kingdom of the of the Ryukyus, that didn't happen until 1879 mm -hmm. with the removal of the last king who was then moved to a, uh, a palace in, in Tokyo. You're using nice language when you say the removal. This was very violent, very, very nasty. I mean, it was a... But, a, but, he, but he, le he, left, he left, in order to spare a bloodbath, he left of his own volition. Mm -hmm. he, left, he left Shuri Palace uh, at night in a procession and went on the Japanese warship that was waiting to take him away. Right. Uh, he wanted to go without people dying about it, but it wasn't, you're right, it wasn't a willing going mm -hmm. into, that, into that, uh, that dark night. And then when that, uh, that administration changed, they were pushed down. They were definitely uh, third-class citizens. They were not first-class citizens mm. by any extent, and, they were, and that also has always been a, a stickler. Let's, Let's, let's talk a little bit about the end of the battle. It's coming up in two weeks on, the, I think, the 23rd of, of June. Um, this is a, a pretty critical, it's not an anniversary, it's a, it's a what would we call it? A, What's an anniversary? It's the, the 70th, 70th anniversary, anniversary of the Battle of Okinawa. And, and, and this allowed the, I mean, this was the beginning of the end for, for the, uh, the Pacific War. But it also... It, it provided an extraordinarily strong argument for the use of, the, of atomic weapons. Yes, it did, right. Yeah. If we're going to go through the same thing on the mainland as we did in Okinawa... We will have to be looking at losses of a million U.S. soldiers mm -hmm. was sort of the, the, the basic line right. because the Battle of Okinawa was, in terms of human loss, lives lost, was an atrocious thing. It was, it was by far the biggest battle of all three... 
theaters of the the uh, World War II. Oh, the biggest. Well, it's the, certainly the biggest of the of the Pacific theater that for the U.S. Mm -hmm. and the uh, this the thought that they would be doing the same thing, Kyushu, then trying to go through Shikoku, then trying to go through Honshu, all the way to on a march to Tokyo, just freaked out. The, the everyone right it was just no one could possibly conceive how it how horrible it could be and so it made you the use of atomic weapons the wiping out of entire cities mm -hmm. seem a very very reasonable at least something at least worth trying mm -hmm. uh the there is now a a really wonderful commemoration site for the battle of okinawa which has the names engraved on it of all the people that are remembered sure, on the, in the northern cliffs, and the, and the, and the, the the names are not only Japanese Okinawan names, but Korean names, American names. Everyone who died in this battle is commemorated in this site. Yes, and that's Park. where and that's where Governor Onaga and Ambassador Kennedy will be on the twenty third. She went last year too, and very likely, I don't know, probably <laughs> Prime Minister. Abe won't be going this year, but he has gone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is this is a, a terrible thing, but it's also been a source of great unity. It's one place. The, the Battle of Okinawa is one place where the the three sides: the U.S. government, the Japanese government, and the Okinawan prefectural government do come together and put aside their differences and do commemorate this mm -hmm. issue. Well, the end of the war. Um, was brought about by the dropping of the atomic bombs. The interesting thing is that although Okinawa was pacified, the airplanes were not launched from Okinawa. No, they were launched from Tinian, right. uh, which had been captured from Okinawan forces before. The, the whole Okinawan story, of course, has to be placed into the geopolitical story of the time, which is the fight between the United States and the Soviet Union. And Okinawa's reversion to the United, to Japan, Japanese sovereignty was very much a part of keeping Japan on the American mm -hmm. side. We talked about that just a little bit last we week. We talked about it last week in terms of the 1956 offer that the Soviet Union made to Japan mm -hmm. regarding the Kuril Islands, trying to drive a wedge between the United States and Japan, and pointing out the fact that we're going to return islands and your Okinawan islands your your islands are, are, are still under occupation. The you, you you think the U.S. is your friends? We're your friends, right? Uh, no, and it the uh, the give and take on the, on giving back Okinawa, which the United States military really wanted to keep, especially during the Vietnam era. Sure. They were absolutely wedded to it. Uh, that was clearly uh, again based on geopolitical forces that the Okinawan people themselves pay, you know, they don't play any part in this game. Right. They're just, they just happen to be at this location. Right. And they're not represented. Mm -hmm. They have what? They have four members of the Diet in the House of Representatives. And the, the party, the LDP, has written them off. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's this opposition now. Who cares? That's right. Uh, and, you know, the governor comes to visit us. We won't meet him. You know, we don't have to. He's only one of 47 prefectural governments. We've got 46 other ones mm -hmm. we can talk to. Okay, let's, let's kind of draw a circle around this. And what do you think is the end result of what it is that we've been talking about? I mean, what is the United States going to do? What should the United States do? What is the Tokyo Metropolitan Government or the national government 
going to be doing with regard to Okinawa and the oversight of Okinawa. How, how did this thing ever get um, ultimately resolved? I don't see how the Abe government's going to get out of the box that it's put itself in, mm -hmm. which means that very likely we'll be seeing a lot more interaction between the Okinawan local government and the U.S. government, something that the United States government has studiously avoided. Mm -hmm. It never wanted to get into this fight, but the Abe administration has just blown it. Right, but wouldn't you agree that Okinawa remains one of the cornerstones of the U.S.-Japan relationship and it will remain that way for the foreseeable future? Yeah, but in this case, the Okinawans who have for you know, for the last 150 years, not had a voice mm -hmm. and not had a say in how their their affairs were run, are getting a say. Mm -hmm. It's and it's due to Tokyo mishandling the relationship. Okay, well, I agree with you. And so, with that, I think I'd like to draw today's conversation to a close. A great conversation. Thank you for joining us. You've been watching Tokyo on Fire. Our burning issue today. Okinawa, what does it mean geopolitically? What's the background? What's the history? What might be the interest to you running a business in Japan? You're traveling to Japan. Why is Okinawa important? I hope we've addressed some of those issues. Thank you very much for joining us. Please participate in our conversation. You can send us your comments at comments at tokyoonfire.com. You can reach us via Twitter at hashtag tokyoonfire. Finally, you can add your comments directly into the comment box on YouTube. And once again, this podcast is available on iTunes. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next week.